So the title of this is Faith in Action, and this is part four. I was going to start and give four points today, eight things you need to know about faith, four today, four next time, but I won't even get through number one today. So just want to talk to you about believing God. How many know faith is important? I want to tell you why. We've, we've talk, spent the last three Sundays on this series talking about why, and the truth is when God created the first man, according to the book of Genesis, uh, Adam and Eve, he gave them uh, a part of his all authority to oversee the earth and take care of it. And uh, he gave them uh, authority under his overarching authority to take care of everything. And then when Adam and Eve sinned, they actually gave that authority that God gave them to God's arch enemy, Satan. He became, as the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the God of this age. Jesus said, John 14.30, called, called uh, Satan the prince of this world. Speaking of the fact that he has an ability to do some things, to rule, even though, even though he shouldn't be, he got it from Adam and Eve when they sinned. And so uh, we, we've covered that in great detail in weeks past. Satan's origin was in heaven. He rebelled against God, took some of the angels from heaven, fell to the earth, and then corrupted the human race when God created Adam and Eve. They fell into sin, and then that overarching authority was given to Satan. That's the reason we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6 says, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places are what we have to wrestle with all the time. How many know your problems are not just that person sitting beside you or the person at the office or, or some other human? How many know it's often a spiritual thing? And you've got to deal with that. And uh, so the Bible's very clear about that. In fact, it calls Satan the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works in the people of disobedience. So you know, we have an enemy that's arrayed against us, and thank God Jesus, when he came and was raised from the dead, and just before he went to heaven, he appeared to his disciples and said, all authority is given to me, both in heaven and on earth. And he said that as the representative new creation man. Jesus died in our sin, for our sins, was raised from the dead, and he was raised from the dead as the first person to experience wholeness after having been made our sin. Jesus is the head of a brand new race of people called Christians, believers, new creation folk. And then when Jesus said, all authority is given to me, you know what he was really saying? He said the authority that God, that God originally had, that he gave to Adam and Eve when he created them, that they gave away when they sinned, that Satan got, has a, has a legal, not a moral, but a legal right to have. Jesus, he said, I have taken that authority from Satan, and I've given it back to the church. He said, I was, I was alive, I died, and I'm alive forevermore. Revelation 1.18, I have the keys. Of hell and death, and that represents authority. So the only people on earth right now who have authority over Satan, how many know, are believers. So here's his, his scheme is to keep us ignorant. My people are destroyed, Hosea said, because of lack of knowledge. You may have authority, but if you never use the authority, it does you no good. And so most believers are, are walking in darkness in this because they just don't know they have authority. So I often ask people, when's the last time you took authority over the devil in your own life, in your family, over your marriage, over your finances, over your physical body, over the circumstances of your life? I'm telling you, he'll try to hem you in, but if you'll take authority over him by the blood of Jesus and by his name and the authority that Jesus gave the church, you can overcome again. How many hear me? 
Now, you know, I'm going on a missions trip tomorrow to Nicaragua, that's Central America, but I've spent a lot of time in Africa, a lot of time in India. We've got 12 churches in Africa. And, you know, the demon powers there are sometimes stronger than you sense here because the people have worshipped icons, they've worshipped idols, they've been involved in various forms of witchcraft, and that stuff's coming here. But you know what I found out before I ever go, I, I pray, I seek God, and I, you know what? I stand my ground on God's Word so that those, those uh, demonic forces can't control what we do and can't hinder ministry because they want to do that. How many hear me? So in your own personal life, we have authority over the devil, and the authority that we can exercise is based on faith in God. How many hear me? So that's kind, of the, that's kind of the foundation for understanding why we need to walk by faith. So the title of this series is Faith in Action. We've covered that the last three weeks. Last, the last time I spoke, February 3rd. How many enjoyed Joe McGee last week? Well, then the week before that I spoke and talked about the reasons that you have problems in life. I don't have time to cover that today. You can go back to the uh, internet and, and listen to the MP3s, the audio MP4, the video, and also my notes are there as well. Today I want to start talking about, about what it looks like to walk by faith and just kind of how that works. Is that all right? And, uh, and just sort of navigate through that because, because faith takes us out from under Demonic control. That's what you need to know. 1 John 5, 4 is really clear. Every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. And then, then Romans 8, 2, I love this. It says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. There's a law called sin and death. How many know there are laws of physics that function in this planet? And how many know if you divide the laws of physics, you can hurt yourself really badly? Well, there's also spiritual laws that are functioning in this planet. This planet is a fallen planet. We live in a fallen world, and the, the, uh, the uh, law of sin and death is ruling here. And if you know Jesus and walk by faith, it takes you out from under the jurisdiction of the law of sin and death. And you're able to walk in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. How many think that's a good thing? So, you know, it's kind of like the laws of aerodynamics. And I think about this when I think about walking by faith because, you know, when you understand just how an airplane flies, just think of this. Think of a, over a 100,000-pound aerodynamic tin can. That's basically what, a, what an airplane is, right? I'm getting on one tomorrow. And I'm flying down Miami, Florida. Then we're flying all the way over the ocean to Nicaragua, you know. And, and the uh, cool thing about that is the laws of... Uh, the laws of aerodynamics, you got the law of gravity. If we defy the law of gravity, somebody's going to get hurt and I'm not going to make it. But see, there are the, the laws of lift and the, the laws of thrust that overcome the laws of drag and the, laws of, and the law of gravity, right? And, and all things being equal, if you work those laws properly, that big old tin can can fly. How many have been on a big tin can flying somewhere? All of you probably. Isn't that cool? 
Well, see, that's just like the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, setting you free from the law of sin and death. So you think you have to be in bondage to poverty. You have to be in bondage to lack. You have to be sick to die. You have to be down in the circumstances. You have to go through this and that. We are in a horribly fallen world. The good news is if you walk with God and live by faith, stuff comes, but when it comes, you have the answers to the problems before the problems ever come. How many hear me? And just like that, Big Ten King can overcome the law of gravity. You know what? You can overcome the laws of sin and death. Is that good news? You know, I understand gravity. I was a little boy, you know, and I watched Superman. I really did stupid. I watched Superman and had this little comic book with Superman. He had this cape on, you know, and did his hands like this, and he jumped and he flew, you know, up to the clouds and stuff and up to tall buildings and whipped the other enemy. And uh, I thought, well, I'm going to do that. So I went to the laundry room and got me a... And I got me, I really did it. I got a big old towel, like a beach towel, tied it around my neck, climbed up on the garage, and one part of it uh, oversaw almost to our, our uh, garden, and the dirt was semi-soft. Anyway, I said, well, here we go, and I was going to be Superman. I'm probably five. And I took off, and guess what? The law of gravity took effect. Yeah. So, you know, if you violate the law of gravity, you pay a price. And you know what? If you don't learn to navigate by faith, you pray a price for that in your life. And there are a lot of believers, a lot of Christians who are still in bondage in all kinds of ways because they really have never learned or understood the principles of walking by faith. But how many know when you walk by faith, you can, you can supersede the law of sin and death and walk in the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? How many want to do that? I love this quote from Smith Wigglesworth from years and years ago. He was an he was an English evangelist and just had a tremendous ministry. He said, there's something about believing God that will cause God to pass over a million people just to get to you. Y'all, let me just tell you, you know, if you were raised the way I was raised, I was raised thinking, you know, what does life got for me? What's going to happen to me? Somebody, I, I went to a, um, I went in a Methodist church on Halloween when I was 13 years old, a palm reader was there. Read my palm, said, well, your lifeline's short, you're going to die young. No kidding. So I spent my teenage years with this back thought, I don't care what you do, you're going to die young, buddy. Just as well live it up. Just as well have a big time, you're going to die. How would you like to start your life thinking, I wonder how I'm going to die. What dreaded disease am I going to get? What calamity is going to take my life? I almost died two times before I came to Jesus, and Satan's tried to take my life four times since then, but I'm still here, and I'm no longer, well, I think I am a young man, but, you know, other people wouldn't say I'm young at 60 years of age, but how many know God is good? How many hear me? So, you know, there's, so when I read that quote uh, from the book, Ever Increasing Faith, there's something about believing God that will cause God to pass over a million people just to get to you. Here's a thought. God does not respond to need. God responds to faith. How many hear me? There's a boatload of need. Man, when I go to Nicaragua, you ought to see the need in the barrios, in the community. There's tremendous need. God doesn't respond to need. God only responds to faith because that's how it's set up and he has no other choice but to respond to faith because of the fallen world that we live in and because of the authority that Satan 
uh, temporarily got from Adam and Eve. He's got a legal right to be here. And the only way that you overcome that is by exercising faith in God. How many hear me? You know, uh, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6, 16, he said, Take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench a few of the fiery darts of the wicked. Oh, oh, it's all, all. And that shield of faith, if you know anything about a Roman shield, go look it up in the first century. It covered the entire part, uh, front of a person's body. So the Roman soldier, as he moves forward against the enemy, the only thing the soldier sees is that thick shield. And they're trying to shoot arrows. Sometimes they have tips on them that are on fire. They're hitting the shield but not hitting the soldier. The, the shield is protecting him from the enemy. And that's what, that's, that's what Paul used that as an analogy for us as believers. When Satan sees your faith, I don't care what he throws at you, it won't hit you. It'll hit the shield. And God will minister life to you regardless of the circumstance and regardless of the problem. So, you know, when I came to the Lord at 18 years of age, you know, with hopelessness, wondering what's going to happen to me, you know, how am I going to die if I'm going to die young, that kind of thing. Just no hope for a grand life, you know. Uh, at the same time, had aspirations. I wanted, I wanted to live a long life and do things. But when I found out that in Jesus, I am free. In Jesus, I'm out from under Satan's control. In Jesus, I've been taken out from under the curse that is on this planet. Although I live in a cursed planet, I have a bl I'm blessed by God. And I'm a blessed person living on a cursed planet. How many know that's good news? And that gave me a lot of hope. And let me just tell you how the years have been since. So sickness has come circumstances have come, calamities have come, disasters have come, sickness has come, financial challenges have come. But you know what? In my life, every single time, when you raise up the shield of faith, somehow you just get through. And you can say with the Apostle Paul, thanks be unto God, who always causes us to triumph in Christ. So, you know, when you already have the answer before the problem comes, and that's the way I think. You know, if God told me to do X, Y, Z, I'm going to do it. And regardless of the challenges that come, I know it's going to happen because, number one, it's the will of God. Number two, he responds to faith. See, if you live that way, how many know it makes a lot of difference? So, on the sheet you were supposed to get, which I'm glad you didn't today, the first point was faith is a gift given to you by Jesus. And, and I want to talk about faith and just talk about it uh, in a practical way. And let me start off by saying that um, walking by faith is, is like, um, it's like having a spiritual Wi-Fi system. Everybody works with Wi-Fi. We've got Wi-Fi here at Victory Church. Uh, Wi-Fi is invisible. Wi-Fi is actually, is, is actually uh, quantum physics sine waves that you can't see electronic waves are in the room right now. We've got a staff Wi-Fi. We've got a public Wi-Fi here that you may be on. And there are other systems that are probably going through the uh, in, invisible matter in this room. But you can do stuff with that. You can download things from the Internet right here, yes or no. And people, you use that every day. You use it on your job. You can talk to people all over the world via Internet. You can download information, download, do all kinds of wonderful things with the use of this sine wave technology that is in your hand that's more powerful than the first computer that was invented, right? It's incredible, right? So we're all accustomed to Wi-Fi, and so God's got a Wi-Fi system. I want you to see it that way, and it's called faith, 
and uh, the username. How many know if you're going to use Wi-Fi, you've got to have the username, and then you've got to have a passcode. Well, God's Wi-Fi system, the username is Jesus Christ. The, 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 the passcode, it's all in capitals. It's F-A-I-T-H. And if you learn to tap into his Wi-Fi, then you know what you find out? Just like the natural internet that we've come to know and enjoy here, you know, there are things that you can receive from the Lord if you tap into his system. How many hear what I'm saying? So, uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, By grace you've been saved, through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. How many know faith's a gift? So God wants us to receive from him, and the way we receive from him is by faith. And he even gives you the faith to receive from him. Is that good? Then Romans 12, 3, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think um, soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. I'm going to know when you were born again, if you're saved today, God has given you a measure of faith to receive from him. Because here's what he knows. He knows to you in your life, he's invisible. You can't see him. You can't hear him. Your physical senses can't detect him. But he's more real. We sing the song, he's more real than anything that we know in this life. But you can't see him, uh, sense him or detect him with your physical senses. You have to detect him with your spirit person by faith. Yes or no? And so God wants us to fellowship with him so badly that when we came to Jesus, he gave us a measure of this substance called faith that hooks into his system so you can receive. And here's what I want to share, and this was not in my notes. And the thing you need, to, and this is really true, everything that you need, for your natural life and your spiritual life already exists in God. Did you hear what I just said? What do you mean everything I need? That means, that means if you're broke and you need a job and you need some finances. How many know the answer to that already exists? Now I'm going to show you it does. If you're, you're battling a, a chronic problem in your physical body. How many know the answer already exists? I'm going to show you, in God. How many hear me? You're going through a grueling circumstance. Lord, how much longer is this going to go? How many know the answer to that already exists? In God. You're going through, you know, a challenge personally, a challenge on your job, a challenge circumstantially. You're going through this. You're going through all kinds of things that we all go through. The answers to those issues already exist in God. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Question mark. Has blessed us. Is that past tense, present tense, or future tense? What? Past tense. That's right. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has, past tense, blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That means they're already there. Then, then first, second Peter 1, listen to this, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life 
and godliness, watch, we'll come back to that, through the knowledge of him who called us to glory and virtue, by which we have been given exceeding great and precious promises, that through these, that through the exceeding great and precious promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature, having disgraced the corruption that's in the world through lust. It says his divine power, verse 3, has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. What does it mean, life? And godliness, everything that I need, everything that you need for your natural life and your spiritual life already exists in God. It's already there. It's in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's in the spirit realm where God exists. The problem is I don't live in the heavenlies. I live on the earth. And I got to mess with all this stuff here. But God said everything I need already exists. Here's, here's, the, here's the idea today, and this is the basic point today. Everything that you need already exists in God. You say, well, I'm believing God for my spouse to be saved. That already exists in God. I'm believing God for my child to be delivered from drugs. That already exists in God. Well, I'm believing God for, for my rebellious teenage son to turn around. That exists in God. How many hear me? I'm believing for God for a job. My job doesn't make ends meet. A better job already exists in God. How many hear me? Well, see, I've got these bills. I mean, unforeseen circumstances did this, that, or the other. I've got not enough money for the month. That need already, that answer to it already exists in God. Well, I've got this skin rash that I've had for 14 years. The answer already exists in God. Well, I've got this problem with my ear. The answer already exists in God. I've got chronic, chronic, chronic stomach problems. The answer already exists in God. Yada, yada, yada. You get it? So what do you need? What are you looking for? Listen, you're in the midst of some grueling situations. Let me just tell you, sometimes God allows us... He doesn't make us, but he allows us to go through some hard places because that's where you develop and that's where you go, grow. And you know what? When you go through a hard place and you do it right and you don't bellyache and and cry and whine and say, what am I going to do? But you buoy up and you say, you know what, Father? You had the answer to this problem before the problem ever existed. Me and you are a majority. We're going to get through this thing. I'm on the winning team. Somehow you're going to make a way of escape for me through this thing. And if you believe God, you know what? That gives you a lot of hope. And how many know you can get through it? How many hear me? So thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. Why could Paul say that? Because he knew that the answer to every problem that exists now or will ever come to your life at any moment in the future, the answer to the problem already exists. Which my point is, everything exists in two realms. First of all, spiritual, and then it manifests in the natural realm where we live. Do you get the concept? Now, I got to slow her down. Listen, you say, well, I'm just not so sure. Why are you talking about this? Because I want you to be successful in life. I want God to bless you. I want you to be able to navigate through the tough things that life brings. We can't keep tough things from coming. But you know what? We can keep, we can, God's given us faith so when the tough things t- do come, we don't succumb. How many hear me? 
So just listen to this, Hebrews 11.3. Again, the idea is everything exists, first of all, spiritual, and then secondly, natural. Watch this. By faith, Hebrews 11.3, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. God created every visible thing you see out of invisible matter. It already existed in the spirit realm. He just spoke and his words brought it from there here. And so the world is here. How many hear me? That's what it says. And then Colossians 1.15, listen to this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible. Are there invisible things? Now, you know, we live in the 21st century. We use invisible things all the time. You know, you're, you're taking notes on your iPhone or your Android apparatus or your iPad. You're using invisible things. You're downloading things from the Internet. You're using invisible things, but they're changing your life, right? They're, they're, they're working in your world. Well, God has invisible things with him, and those invisible things happen to be everything that you need to navigate through life successfully and stand before Jesus one day and hear, well done, right? 2 Corinthians 4.18, the Apostle Paul, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, things which are seen are temporary, Things that are not seen are eternal. He said, while we look not at the things that are seen. Well, how in the world can you look at something that is not seen? You look at something that's not seen by looking to the word and living by faith. When I saw, saw that this morning, I thought about Jesus. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame. He was looking beyond the cross. He was looking beyond the suffering. Jesus had to look beyond being made our sin. Jesus knew that he would spend time in hell for you and for me. He knew he would be separated from his father. But what gave him hope? His faith that God would raise him from the dead. His faith that God would get him out of that place. That his body would resurrect from the tomb. That was the thing that kept him going. What keeps you going when the hard places of life come? It's knowing that God's made a way of escape. It's knowing that all things are possible to him with, who believes. All things are possible with God. If you can believe, all things are possible. I don't know how many times I've said... You know, I've done so many things that shouldn't happen, but when God says do something, how many know you can do it? I started a church in a little tiny town in 1988. It shouldn't have worked, but I did it by the grace of God because God said do it. And I did it the way Jesus did his ministry. Jesus didn't look at the now, he looked at the future. And when you're going through a hard place, don't look at the hard place. Don't look at the emotional duress. Don't look at the way it makes you feel. Don't look at the deserted friends that have left you because they think you cuckoo. Look at the promises of God. Look beyond the now. Look beyond the pain in your physical body and see the health that Jesus provided for you. Look beyond the lack in your bank account and look to the provision. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. How many hear me? I got to preach it strong because, you know, we're going into a dark, dark place on planet earth before Jesus comes back. And you need your faith working strong. 
So for every problem that will ever come our way, God has already made the answer. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. John 20, here's Thomas. Jesus had been raised from the dead. He, from immateriality, appeared in visible room, in a, in a room where the doors and windows were locked. <clears throat> Star Trek stuff. And he said, peace be unto you. He said, receive the Holy Ghost. And then he walked over to Thomas. See, Thomas had been bellyaching with Jesus. <laughs> he died. The Romans killed him. What are we going to do? He ain't really risen from the dead. That's all a bunch of junk. He walked over to Thomas and said, look at my hands. Look at my feet. Get your hand and thrust it into my side where the spear stuck me. All the scars will be there for eternity to remind you of what I did for you. I'm in a scarred, human, glorified body for you, Thomas. Then he said, Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed. Then the last sentence. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet believed. You know what that tells me? You're in the middle of a faith fight. It looks like you're not winning, but you lift your hands to the promise of God where God promises to answer prayer. He's promised to heal your body. He's promised to provide the finances that you need. He's promised you'll come through the seeming calamity and disaster on the other side. Okay. And you lift your hands and it doesn't seem real. But you do it anyway. Blessed are those that have not seen or felt but do believe. How many know that works, y'all? Woo-wee. You can't help but shout when you get this kind of stuff, you know. Hebrews 11, one New Century Version. Faith means being sure of the things we hope for. And faith means knowing that something is real. Even if you don't see it. I had every symptom of the flu come on my body. I don't have it today. I had to take something for the symptom. It was so bad. But you know what? I said, Father, I, and I kept, here's what I did. And this is, what, this is what I do to walk by faith. When the devil hits me with something, I look beyond the something to what God said. So I looked to this, through this flu thing, and you know what I saw? Himself took my infirmities and bear my sicknesses. With his wounds I'm healed. When Jesus took my sins, he took my sicknesses and I don't need to bear that. I don't bear my sin, Jesus took them. I don't have to bear sickness, Jesus took it. The same faith that gets forgiveness of sin also gets healing of disease. And today, I'm not kidding, I am symptom free. I'm not kidding. So, but I do that for everything. Y'all, I've, I've, I've done so many things that really are crazy. And you think it's not going to work. But you know why it works? Because everything exists in two realms. First of all, the natural, then the spiritual. In 1980, Susan and I moved. I think about all this stuff. 1980, Susan and I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was 21 years old. And uh, we had been married for nine months. And uh, I had sold a car, so I had some savings from the car sale. 
and we were going to go to the second Bible school. I met her at the first one I attended. And I needed a job. We were living off of our savings. So we got an apartment, third-story apartment, Burning Tree Apartments, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Go look it up. Near a, near a Woodland Hills Mall. And, uh, and so, you know, Susan didn't have a job. She was a medical technologist. But, you know, it just wasn't happening. And we went week after week after week, no job, no job. Well, I had worked at a grocery store when I was in college in South Carolina. And... Um, and, you know, I've always worked hard, so the grocery store manager, when I left, I said, would you give me a letter of recommendation? Well, I took that letter of recommendation, and I made copies of it galore. And then because it's 1980s, there's no Internet, you have to go physically anywhere you want to apply for a job. So I took a copy of that letter. I had my best suit on. I had some hair. I had it combed to perfection. No, super, no not one hair out of place. No kidding. There's none out of place now. And... Uh, you know, and I just went 23 places that could hire me. And I said, I'll do you a good job. And every one of them said, not available. Well, there was, a, there was a job at a grocery store then. Now, I know you don't believe what I'm about to say. True story. If in today's dollars, in today's dollars, not, not then, but now, it would equal now $27 an hour. That ain't bad for a 21-year-old, Right? If, yeah, so, so with inflation, that's what it, you know, it, it goes to now. And so I knew I could, and I asked for that job. Y'all, week after week after week. You know what I did, Father? I just want to thank you. Thank you for my job. Lord, thank you for the job. I need to go to Bible school. I need to pay for this apartment. We've got a car we bought that we need to pay for. Lord, we've got other expenses. We've got our food, our clothing. We've got electricity bills. We've got gas bills. We've got insurance payments. We've got all this stuff. So, Father, I just want to thank you for this job, making top pay. I will be a manager somehow in Jesus' name. And I went week after week after week to 23 places if you don't have a job make it your job to get a job and you'll get a job but if you sit back waiting on something to happen all that will happen is bills will pile up so I made it my job to get a job and every day the devil said you're going to have to tuck your tail between your legs so to speak and go back home and whine to daddy daddy can you give me some money I moved back home forget it I said shut your mouth I'm not going anywhere and week after week, I promise, I had a cypress wood wall that had this uh, diagonal wood on it, really strange in my living room. And I remember walking back and forth, Father, thank you. Thank you for the provision of a job. Thank you for that job making top pay as a manager. Twenty, It wasn't 27 then, I think it was 918, which today's inflated dollars would be 27. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And you know what? I can't believe it. i got to save time. i got to stop soon, but... I just tell you, week after week after week, with the enemy whispering in one ear, it'll never work. You're going to fail. Call your daddy. He's got the money. Call your daddy. He can send you the money. Go ahead and do it. You stupid idiot. Why'd you ever move up here? You just got married. You don't even know what you're doing. You have no anointing for ministry. God hasn't called you to preach. How many know when, when God's got something for you, the enemy's got something for you too? There's God's will and otherwise. And every one of us are dealing with the same kind of stuff. Different wrapper, different bow, different box, same kind of stuff. What is your challenge today? What is talking to your head, telling you life is not worth it, nothing's going to work, you're a failure, nothing's working out? It's talk to me, you have no idea. And you've got to be willing to look past it to the invisible promises of God and see what God has for you and act like it's real even if you can't see it.
How many hear me? If you do, I'll just tell you it works. And so one day I'm walking. I just kept walking. I guess it's a long story and I can't tell the whole thing, but I was walking at weeks, week, week, six weeks plus. Here I'm walking, walking, walking. And the bills are coming up. I'm dwindling down my savings account. Bottom line, one day, the store, I went by a store. The manager called me. I got that job. And there was a union in the store. I didn't like the union, but I had to, I had to be a part of that. But because of that, they paid me a lot of money. And I made more money than people that worked there for 33 years. I'm not making that up. You say, well, you're something special. No, I'm nothing special. God is an awesome father. And you know what the truth is? If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. You know what I said? I was 21. You know what I said? You know what? It's possible for me to get that job. Because the devil's messing with my head. It's possible that I could really get that man. And I became night manager. I oversaw getting the store ready for the next day. How many hear me? I want you to know it worked. But that's what I did. You know, it's possible that this will work out. It's possible because all things are possible with God. And then Jesus said all things are possible to him who believes it's possible. That one day I'll be sitting here thinking, look at, the, look at I got that job. Look at that. I'm a manager at that store. And that's what happened. Friends, when things work out, it's not just happenstance. If you'll trust God, that heavenly Wi-Fi system, everything you need is there. When you, when you use that username, F-A, that password, F-A-I-T-H, I'm telling you, things will download into your life. How many hear me? I'm, you know, how many can identify? It may not look like it's working, and that's where the test of faith is. Fight, the good fight of faith. How many hear me? I really got to stop. See, I didn't even get past point one. Second Kings 6, I got to read this. Here's Elisha and his servant. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops and send him. Elisha was telling the other king where the enemy was. He said, find him. We're going to kill that prophet. The report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went out, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. So he gets up from bed, goes outside, and looks 360. And everywhere he looks, the enemy has surrounded him. There are thousands and thousands of enemy troops. Oh, sir, the servant said, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. See, in the invisible spirit realm, God was going to... We sing that song, this is how we fight our battles. What? In the spirit realm, God had dispatched angels to fight for Elisha and his servant. So when Elisha said, uh, the servant said, well, how many are with us? He said, there's just me and you. And there's thousands. Elisha said, mm -mm 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 -mm. there's more with us than they have with them. 
because he was looking with a different set of eyes. You've got natural eyes, but you all also have spiritual eyes. And if you let your spiritual self look at the Word of God, though it looks like you're failing, you'll look up and say, Nay, in all these things, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm going to make it. I wish I had more time to preach. Y'all, I've raised four children, put them all through private school. All of them went through college. Now they're all grown, married. I have four grandchildren and one in the hopper. And to get there, y'all, I, I don't know how to describe it. We've been through hell, you know what I mean? And then you're in ministry trying to get a church going. And I mean, every devil in hell knows your address, your phone number, your email address. Knows where you go and knows your schedule every day. And they're always talking. You're not going to make it. You're going to fail. If y'all will come back next time, I got more to say than this. But I'm just telling you, every single time a challenge comes, I don't think, what am I going to do now? I say, thanks be unto God who always gives me the victory through my Lord Jesus Christ. And you've got to be cantankerous. Jacob wrestled with an angel all night. Bible scholars say it was an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. And he grabbed him and said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And there are times in life that you've got to rise up inside yourself and you've got to say, I'm not going to quit. By the Holy Ghost, I'm talking to somebody today. Don't quit. Your God is bigger. Your God is better. You're worth it. God is awesome. How many hear me? Don't quit. People that make it, it's not because there's some grandiose great person. They just don't quit. How many hear me? There's a, there's a part of me, I can't describe it, but I feel people. And in this audience, some of you want to quit your marriage. Don't you do it. The devil will ruin your life. And you will not recover if you do it. Don't you do it. You're better. You're stronger inside than that. How many hear me? Other circumstance after circumstance. Problem after problem. Then you've thought, when is it ever going to stop? Not until Jesus comes back and you're in heaven will it stop. What am I saying? You just got to make up your mind. I don't care what the devil throws at me. I don't quit. I don't stop. The promises of God are great. God Almighty makes promises and He keeps them. We just sang the song, He has never failed me yet. And He won't. How many hear me? Some of you wrestling with illness after illness. Listen, stand your ground on the Word of God. Come back, I just got to quit. I want to keep preaching so bad. 
I got second service. I can let it go again. Come back next time. We'll talk about this some more. Y'all, I'm telling you, if you've got quit in you, you'll never make it. You've got to have a dog determination. Regardless of what the enemy throws or circumstances throw at me or the mistakes that I've made. Now, God, I did it to myself. You've got to make up your mind. God is good. The devil wants to kill you. He wants to steal from you. And that somehow God's going to help me through this. Be like Jesus. See, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Have you thought that through? Have you thought through Jesus knowing that God would turn his back on him? And that presence that you feel during praise and worship is gone. Darkness. Light turns to darkness. Fellowship turns to isolation and loneliness. And in death you go down. And you go down to hell. And there's nothing nice. No babies laugh. Nothing pretty. Nothing that smells wonderful. Everything's nasty and grimy and gloomy but who for the joy that was set before him he took your sin and he endured the shame he endured the loneliness of isolation because he saw something ahead of him he saw the glory of God he saw many sons coming unto glory he saw many people being born again. He saw people coming from darkness to light. He saw lives being transformed. He saw drug addicts being set free. He saw perverts being being set free and made whole. He saw sickness being healed. He saw all of that when he was there for the joy that was set before him he endured. You get it? And then the Holy Spirit came on him and he was raised up. So what about you? For the joy that's set before you, set your eyes, see the future. Don't see the gloom. Don't see the sickness. Don't see the lack. Don't see the negative circumstance kicking your tail. See what God wants to do. See yourself with the end result. When I was walking that floor and I didn't have a job, I saw myself. I saw myself managing a group of people. I saw my, I saw, I said, Father God, that's my job. I didn't tell you the other part. Another, another store was going to hire me for a whole lot less money. And they caught me, gave me a big test and all this. And I did it for whatever reason. It was unbelief. And they called me and said, you got a job Monday morning. I said, no, thank you. And the devil hounded my head. You idiot. There's the job God had for you. I said, that's not the job God had for me because I wanted more than that. And they were not going to pay me a whole lot of money. But my desperateness said, better get that job. And then after I didn't take it, the devil said, you idiot. You stupid idiot. Look at you. God gave you a job. I said, that was, that was the, your counterfeit devil. God had something better for me because I was believing I received y'all. So who for the joy said, can you do that? Illness, sickness, lack, circumstantial things are coming against you. Can you look beyond it? to the invisible realm where everything you need exists and can you with your faith grab it and pull it down to where you live yes you can 